Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, in this day and time, many men, more than are willing to admit, struggle or are frustrated with their lives, their relationships, including their relationship with God. Many are addicted to various things, sports, alcohol, pornography, gaming is a big one today, online gaming. But what are they doing? Well, they're just trying to find peace and things that just serve to distract them from their real life, even if it's just for a few minutes. Many of these men have no idea how to process their emotions and Need I say the emotions of their wives? I mean, you know the old saying, if you ask your wife what's wrong and she says nothing, that is not the time to say, okay, I'm going to go play golf then, I'll see you later, right? Well, our guest today has made it his life mission to help Christian men cope and thrive in this modern life and process their emotions and, and fit everything together in their proper godly perspective of living in this world that we call home. Dr. Michael Jaquith calls himself a modern Catholic guy that prioritizes his faith and is also a life coach as he helps Christian men who, who really want to become the man God wants them to be. Amen. He's also a podcaster and host of the Catholic Life Coach for Men podcast. Help me welcome to the program, Dr. Michael Jaquith. Michael, thank you for coming on the program and taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Dr. Bob, it is a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited to talk to you, to talk to all the guys that are listening. May God bring healing through all that we do. Amen. Now, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Michael Jaquith? You know, I, I think it's so interesting. My own story has got a lot of fun twists and turns. I do have this PhD in chemistry, of this corporate research background. I left it all become entrepreneurial, but I think it'd be remiss if I didn't start by saying I'm a married man whom God has blessed with six children. And we live in Northern Idaho and God is so good. He has filled us with all these blessings, with some property, with animals. And, you know, I, I think it, most of all, I'm a man who follows God and tries to serve his family. Along the way, I hit my head against the wall a whole bunch of times. We talked about this a little beforehand and how often I like to do that. And God, in his mercy, kind of brings a couple band-aids and says, okay, let's try again. Here's a book that might help you go in the right direction. Amen. And after you do that enough times, you, you start looking around and you see your brother hitting their head and you wince a little bit and go, oh, and God said in my heart in that moment, okay, Michael, it's your job to help him too. Amen. Amen. But as we were talking, folks, before we started the recording, uh, Michael and I hail from the same neck of the woods, so to speak. So I have to ask, do you have a Petoskey stone on your bookshelf? I have one in the in the drawer. Oh, right there you go. I knew, I I knew there was one oh, here yeah. somewhere. I knew there was one, one somewhere. That's right. <laughs> He's from about, oh, that's what, about 200 miles from where I used to live? About like that. that, yep. yep. About Petoskey, that. Petoskey, Michigan. Amen. And we used to go up there when I was young. We'd be in that area for hunting. Uh, you know, 
oh, Houghton Lake area. It was, it was, it was just so much, such a beautiful area up there. But Michael says that Idaho is more beautiful. I, I hate to tell everybody this. I have to admit that too. The mountains, and I said, I, I would love to to move to the mountains, and uh, but unfortunately, this is where God placed us. And I learned a long time ago, you don't move until God says move, and that's where we're at. Anyway, Amen. I alluded in the open to the problem of a lot of men having a, a processing problems on processing their emotions. You know, women seem to be more in tune with that aspect than men are. I mean, how difficult is it for men to process emotions correctly? And why is that so important in a relationship? You know, I think we need to start off with some historical context here. Men have always had to limit when they process emotion. Like imagine you're with your group of brothers and you're hunting a mammoth, right? And if you're sneaking up on the mammoth and that moment, one guy cries out, oh my goodness, I just realized how deeply wounded I've been this whole time. Like he's going to get, the mammoth's going to run away. All the guys are going to turn on and be like, dude, what you doing? And so like, there's this like historical precedent that men, unlike women, don't just decide to process any old time we want to. Men look for a time when it's safe and appropriate, right? And for most of time, that time existed. You'd go back to the campsite, you'd be eating your mammoth, you'd be sitting around the campfire talking, and that's when could start to process in the safety with other men when there's nothing else going on. But now we fast forward to modern times and we don't have that opportunity. We don't have a tribe that we hang out with. We don't have the community of older men with younger men. And this is something that's biologically baked into every species. They've done studies of elephants. If you kill off the older male elephants, the younger males lose all of it. They start yeah. rampaging and destroying without the older men there to guide them. Yep. But now look at our modern world. We move all the time. And don't get me wrong, I love the mobility we have, but a consequence of that is we've lost our deeper community sense. And then particularly, you added stuff like COVID, when we're all being isolated and shut off from each other. And now we're all trying to figure it out on our own. And guys are left struggling with, I know I need something deeper, but I don't know where to do it. I don't know when to do it. And it feels like there's a mammoth or a cougar or a tiger around me all the time. So when do I do this? And then we turn to the last vestige we might have for hope being media. We see Indiana Jones. He never stops and processes emotion. Homer Simpson, he's certainly not the king of it. And when he does, he's probably drunk. Like, yeah. what, what, what role model do guys have? And so between the historical you know, precedent with our modern limitations, it's a real challenge. Yeah, amen. And, and a lot of the, well... I've seen on one of your most recent podcast episodes, you were discussing something about marital ADHD. Yeah. Mm. Can you share a bit about that topic here for our listeners? Absolutely. So my wife was recently diagnosed with ADHD. Now, very commonly, we hear about when the husband has ADHD and the wife doesn't. There's even some, some stereotypes around that. But at the end of the day, it's all kind of a similar sort of story where when we marry, as a Christian man, when I marry... It's not a contract. It's not like I say, provided that you cook breakfast for me this many times, wash my socks, and perform these acts of service, I will stay with you, right? But as always happens, the person that you marry is never exactly the person you think you are marrying. There's mm-hmm. there's oh, yeah. problems, there's history, there's complications. And even if there isn't at the start, they will develop over time. And so what I think is most important takeaway, at least from my own journey with this ADHD, with, with my wife's experience with ADHD, is looking and saying, what is it God has called me to do? And ADHD presents real 
challenges in a marriage. I think some people are probably aware of some of the situations regarding ADHD in children. And bluntly, that's a very simple case compared to how complex and how multidimensional ADHD in marriage. And especially when you enter in a large amount of time without a diagnosis, there's really real harm done. And because it is, I'm going to get a little tiny bit nerdy here for a second, you can hang with me. It's, it's a neural prefrontal cortex disease. What's unique about those is when your prefrontal cortex, that's the part at the very front of your head, and it's your most advanced logic systems. When those get damaged in particular, your brain's only reaction is to rewrite history in a way that it thinks would have to have been true. So here's a great little study of this. This doctor sits down with a patient, and the doctor says to the patient, would you please draw me a picture of a clock? Now, this patient had had a stroke in his prefrontal cortex. And the patient draws a very messed up circle, writes some barely legible numbers, half inside the circle, half out, and draws what might be an arrow kind of off center. And the doctor asks the patient, is this clock a good clock? And the patient says, yeah, it looks great to me. She says, well, do you notice your circle is not a good circle? The patient says, whoa, doc, how'd you do that? That's not the circle I drew. And the doctor says, did you notice your numbers aren't legible and aren't inside the circle? At this point, the patient becomes irate because his brain cannot reconcile what he's now and being informed with, with what he believes had to have happened. And this is symptomatic of neural of prefrontal cortex. There's, there's other ones that are like this, that fall into this category. And these are really painful in marriage because it creates an even bigger divide over the reality of what has happened, what has come before us. Because as a man and a woman, you guys see stuff differently anyways, right? Yeah, exactly. But this brings it back to the initial point of, here's Michael, here's his wife. We have 12 years now, praise the Lord, of marriage, where we have our history of our wounds, as does everyone. What am I going to do about it? Now I have a diagnosis, and I can take this name, and I can say, aha, I knew it was your fault, Mrs. Mrs. Jacob. It was always you. I'm innocent as the wind-driven snow, of course. And of course, that is neither accurate nor a Christian way to do it. But instead, I take it as an opportunity to rededicate myself to sacrifice. And every time I complain, I have a crucifix on the wall behind me for those who can't see it. And I look up at that crucifix and I see Christ hanging on that cross. And I think of the symbolism of marriage. And every time I want to lay a complaint at my wife or my wife's condition, I think that what that man hanging on that cross did for me is literally infinitely greater than what I'm being called to do for my wife. And all of my grievances are but a drop in the ocean of the grievances he's on that cross for. And I think it's a great opportunity to frame the marriage discussion. It's not that my injustices are wrong. It's that they're insignificant compared to the injustice our Lord died for. Amen. That is so true. And, and marriage, you know, is a lot more than, you know, uh, what time's dinner. Right. I mean, there has to be a conversation going on. There has to be uh, interaction, right? Not just, you know, physical. I'm talking about, my wife and I, we've been married 45 years and we can be somewhere, you know, at, at a barbecue at someone's house or something. And we can look across the yard, look at each other and say, Oh, time to go. Yep. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just, we, there is no, you know, none of this, you know, the shaking of the head or looking at the parking lot, but just look at each other, nod and say, okay, you know, we got to go. And uh, I think a lot of guys, because we don't know how to process emotion, also don't know how to be emotionally present with our wives. Yeah. Like that, that's a real epidemic right now of guys that maybe they're even doing the right actions. They show up, they help around the house, you know, they help with the kids, they're cleaning the dishes, they're taking the trash out, whatever the list oh, yeah. is. Yeah. But if their heart isn't present with their wife, yeah. and I mean, I need to be totally transparent. I fall into this all the time. I am by no means perfect either, right? But if your heart's not present with your wife and she cannot feel 
your emotional presence, the connection you were just talking about, then she's going to feel disconnected. Yeah. And that disconnection is is utterly toxic to marriage. Yeah. And guys, if if you know, have no better reason than this to get in touch with your emotions, is to find the deepness of connection with your wife mm-hmm. that for both of you is for powerful. And for her is as powerful as the physical connection can be for the guy. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. I mean, most men are like, let's say... Tim the Tool Man Taylor on the old right. TV show Home Improvement. You know the the willingness is there, but the execution, eh, not so much. You know, for some they just you know they, they drive on and fix the problems and it doesn't even seem to phase them. You know, for others the smallest problem seems like a huge roadblock. Yeah. But, uh, how do you help men and both spectrums become more focused on their God given talents and callings in our quest to conquer the problem, our quest for success. I think a lot of times we have to redefine what the problem is and what success is. And it's very easy to choose worldly success over people's success. Mm-hmm. But when we look at the world as Christ looks at the world, you know, I, I worked for Intel for a while and we were designing cutting edge microprocessors, right? And I love the job in a lot of ways. And it's so rewarding. And God one day says, do you know that when you die, nobody will be using the processor you're designing right now. It'll be 10 generations old and be something brand new. And everything of this world is passing. And for guys, we have this fire, this drive. I must fix it. I must make the world better, blah, 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 which is awesome. That God-given spirit can be used for great good. But I challenge them to say, look, you know what will last? The person sitting next to you. If I go back to C.S. Lewis, like the only thing around you that's immortal is the person next to you. He alone will last forever. And if he's a fellow Christian, then he contains an essence of God as well that you must respect and treat with dignity and whatever widget you design, whatever service you offer utterly pales in comparison. Whatever the garage door that's not working is fails in comparison to your wife's heart and to Mm -hmm. slow down and say, let's put some perspective and then harness this drive in a way that it aims for things that are actually meaningful. But then the second step I have to go is going back to getting in touch with that emotional self. A lot of times, Pastor Bob, with, with guys, I start by saying, keep a piece of paper with you. And when you feel a feeling, just write it down because guys can be so disconnected from the feelings that they literally say to me, I don't have feelings. What are you talking about? I don't feel anything. And I say, I guarantee you, you do. And just to start, it's the first step can be as simple as write it down. You'll have a list. Yep. Even if it's, even if it's anger, you know, even if you're, you're mad at something, you know, that's, that's an emotion. That is Absolutely. an emotion, you know, cause I'm mean, my, before I was born again days, uh, yeah, when I was I was 18 years old when I joined the army, and we talked a little bit before the recording, and I had a hair trigger for a temper. Right? If I even thought we were going to get in disagreement, I go ahead and take the first punch just so we could discuss peace on my terms. Right? Yep. And oh. you know, when I got married, that continued to ensue. Uh, the issue was my wife was a third degree black belt. (laughs) (laughs) So there was no physical. (laughs) That's funny. You know, that would, that would have ended bad. And it did on uh, the first occasion when I decided to flare up and woke up flat out on my back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that ended that physical stuff, but that anger was still pent up. You know, and I take it out at work and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, You know, thank God when I got born again, that basically 
left. I mean, it, it, I still have it. That anger is still inside me, but it is so minute. And, and now when it comes out, I have a saying, I said, this person is pushing all of my buttons and he's doing it in the right sequence. (laughs) (laughs) All that's left is the hit enter and we're going to have a talk, you know? And usually when I sense that I'll extricate myself from that situation because it doesn't look too cool for a pastor putting somebody in the hospital because you disagreed over a parking spot or something, you know? (laughs) But, uh, but the, the, the idea though is these emotions are real. You know, you just can't suppress them. The, if you try and suppress anger, anxiety, and things like that, that causes high blood pressure, which causes health problems, which causes strokes. And I mean, the list goes on and on. You have to have someone to share them with. You know, a lot of people want therapists and therapy and all that. This person could care less about you. They don't know you. You are a paycheck for them, you know. But if your wife, or your spouse, if, if, you know, if you're in marriage, you made a commitment to them to share everything. And that includes when you're angry, look, what you just said, kind of, I may have taken it the wrong way. Can you explain this? You know, why did you dent my car? (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I think a lot of guys, like when I hear your story about yourself when you were a hair trigger and everything, a lot of guys, what happens is anger is the surface emotion. And deep down, we have something else that's really eating us away. I use some food metaphors sometimes. Like normally, let's say you eat a great hamburger, right? My body takes a hamburger, it breaks into little pieces, it processes it, digests it. You know, some of the some refuse comes out the back end, but the calories come part of my body and it fuels me to do something, hopefully, Lord willing, in the service of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Emotions are the same way. If when we take them in, if we have an emotion, if we process it and allow it to fuel us to do something for the glory of God, all is well. But here's what guys do, is they take that emotion, they stuff it in a Ziploc bag, and then shove it down as deep as they can so they don't have to deal with it. And you can just imagine if you took a hamburger in a Ziploc bag and put that in your stomach, it's just going to rot. Yeah. And it's going to fester. And it's going to swell up. And pretty soon it's going to blow up and leak goobers and nastiness all over. You're going to get sick. You're going to be just lashing out everything. You're going to feel horrible. It's the same thing with emotions. Yeah. And so we have these emotions, emotions like rejection, shame, loss, betrayal, hurt. And we don't want to feel those feelings because those feelings suck to feel. Yeah. So what do we do? We shove them down, let them fester. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, look, I've got a hair temper about everything. Imagine that. How could this have come to be? <laughs> no one could have predicted this, right? Hey, Amen. Yeah. And the, the secret, and this is a horrible secret, by the way, for someone who's in this situation, is if you've got that festering cesspool of yuckiness, is you've got to be willing to feel it. But I give you some hope. The average emotion to process a strong, heavy emotion, if you just let your body process it, is about 90 seconds max. Yeah. A lot of time with guys will dig under their anger. And I love to be very specific. We'll take a specific where somebody maybe loses it at their wife for denting their car. They say, well, cool, let's dig on it. What does that mean? Why is that important to you? What does the car dent mean about you? We dig down, we find that inner shame. Oh, as a kid, I could never have anything good. And so when my wife dents the car, it pulls me back to that childhood wound. And we say, let's sit in this feeling of shame. What does it feel like to feel shame? And when your body processes that feeling, which in the moment feels horrible, like let's not sugarcoat this. It feels so horrible. When you process it though, and you digest it, and then it breaks up, and then there's freedom. And now you have the choice 
do I want to get angry about this? And that that is not a one and done sort of story. It is something you have to learn to do on a regular okay. basis. Yep. And so the next time your wife dents the car, you can instead of, what were you thinking? Why'd you dent my car? You can be like, oh, honey, I'm feeling strong feelings right now. I just want you to hang with me. I'm going to choose not to act in anger. Right now, I think I'm feeling the shame that goes back to my child. I'm just feeling that right now. And then you invite her in to join with you in that union in your shame is so different than the rage about the dent of the car. Yeah. Amen. Amen. One, one way that, that I've, and, and sometimes it, it gets on my wife's nerves. Let's put it like that. Uh, something will happen. And she appreciates it when the, something that happens is her fault. You know, like <laughs> she, she drops a dish or something and it was one of her favorite dishes and, you know, whatever the case may be, or something that I really liked a trophy or something that fell over and broke or whatever. And at first I'm like, okay, are you okay? Do you step on anything? No. Okay. Well, I start cleaning up. She goes, aren't you mad? She goes, what you going to do? You know, I mean, that that's my result. What you going to do? You know? And so if she was to bump into a car or something like that, and she goes, I, I'm, you know, I hit this car and we got, okay, well, what you going to do? That's what insurance is for. We'll, we'll take care of it. You know? Yeah. And, and now it's just a, you know, she's like, I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to do. Because to me, it's like what's done is done. Okay. It, me getting mad over a dent is not going to change the dent. Right. So, or what you're going to do? <laughs> I'm going to offer to you in real time one tiny, tiny piece of free coaching. You want to consider adding a second sentence there, which is, I choose you instead. There you go. Hey, Amen. Yeah. Because yeah. that's. That's what each of us, our spouses want. We all want to be chosen. I want to be chosen. Amen. I want to feel like my wife chooses me. Amen. And my wife wants to feel like I choose her. Amen. And like, what's the old line? We all need to be needed and we want to be wanted. Yep. Amen. There you go. That's good. I love that. And it seems that no matter how much a man tries to be successful in life in the world's eye, he loses that perspective of how he looks really in God's eyes. I mean, you know, pride is a huge factor, uh, and that's probably the biggest factor. You know, how does our our worldly success compare to whether or not we achieve success according to God's plan for our lives? You know, I think one of the most lost sins of modern age is pride. Like our, our modern age, especially within Christendom, has a very clear sense of the sin of lust. And you can read lots about it. A lot of guys still struggle with it. Don't misunderstand. But very few of the guys that struggle with lust are confused. They're like, I'm doing this thing and I know what's wrong. But pride is so much sneakier and so much more pervasive. And the, the key to pride is pride ultimately isn't really about a comparison for the sake of the other. It's all about me for the sake of me. And what I mean by that is it's this self-reinforcing rhetoric, this, ooh, I'm good because of I did this thing. And it builds and it's subtle. And, and the devil is smart with this one. And he will make it sound almost like something biblical. Oh, look, I did this good thing. I served the church. Oh, look, I made a ton of money. So I gave some money to the church. All good things. If they're done in a spirit for the glory of God versus if they're done in the spirit for the glory of me. And this pride spreads everywhere. And because it spreads everywhere, and I do believe it's one of the largest sins of the times, and probably always has, but the ancients have always rated yeah. pride as the worst of all the sins, right? Yeah. And it's the devil's primary sin. Because of that, though, it's always important that we as Christian men, everything we accomplish in the world, we always are trying to step back. 
how does this give glory to God? And how does it have value in so much as it does give glory to God? Yeah. And when I was working at Intel, it was so easy for me just to eat up the praise of, oh, you're the key contributor to this new technology and blah, 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 feeds the ego, feeds the ego. Look at me, look at me. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Those can't see. I'm actually sitting up tall in my chair right now, right? But that's just pride. It's just a sneaky pride. Yeah. Michelangelo, after he made, oh, I forget which particular creation, was asked by a contemporary, how do you feel? How do you want to praise? What do you think of this creation? And he said, it's amazing. It's amazing beauty of art that gives glory to God. And the other person says, do you feel like you're in danger of pride? And he responds by saying, I love this answer. It's always stuck with me. I can praise my own creation in exactly the same measure that I would praise it if someone else had done it in the context of giving glory to God. And what he means by that is, I say, this beautiful creation, by the grace of God, I always love to finish it. It gives glory to God by its completion. And I praise it for its beauty because of that purpose, not because of the glory of Michelangelo. Amen. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for today's discussion with Dr. Michael Joqueef as we're discussing his podcast and coaching program called Catholic Life Coach for Men. But don't let that title discourage you. I mean, we're all brothers in the Lord, and the information he's been sharing today is applicable to everyone. Amen? I've really enjoyed our conversation. I know you have, too. Praise God. Go down to the show notes. Reach out to Dr. Michael Joqueef. Click the link. Listen to the podcast. I mean, he really has some great content on there that... I know you'll get a lot of value of. Amen. The good news is this was just part one. If you enjoyed this episode, I can't wait to share with you our discussion in part two and the conclusion of our great interview in the very next episode. For Dr. Michael Jokeith and myself, this is Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcasts. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. 
Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.